You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We are in training. I do not want you to confuse that with works and effort. However, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So we're not trying to earn, but we're cooperating. There's that grace effort combo. And God says, keep my word, do my word and live. Draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. There's reciprocal covenant responses that take place in that. And we do have a part to play. We can't earn it. We can't work something off. uh, But we participate. We respond to God. And uh, he's just waiting for that response. So as we cooperate with him, Paul told Timothy to train yourself to be in training in godliness. And I love that picture for us of training because we can think of Olympic athletes, marathon runners, different people like that, that are in training for something. I'm intrigued and I'm watching. I don't, I don't know how she did, but there's a endurance swimmer swimming from the Florida Straits to Cuba. And I uh, saw she's already had been attacked by Portuguese man of war. And, and uh, man, I, I would have quit a long time ago. <clears throat> she's 62 years old. And uh, just is tearing it up. And uh, so 108 miles that she is swimming. You don't do that because you got an idea one day. You don't do that because I just love the water. Uh, You better have some training in place to be able to do that. Amen. Excuse me. Let's go over our review real quick because I want this forever embedded in your mind. I want you to remember this because really this is a a wonderful cycle for us. Uh, Walk it and talk it through with me. Uh, There are a lot of things we've been been trying to do that we should be training to do. I got to work on my R's. Speaking of, yeah. yeah. Key part of training is consistency. You have to be consistent or it is not training. Um, and consistency is, is just a huge aspect of your life. What you do day by day takes you to your future, the consistency. Um, some people are just consistently inconsistent, you know, and we want to become consistent at some things because that's what will bear fruit. What we are consistent about are the spiritual disciplines As we engage consistently training in these disciplines, it produces in us a higher level of being happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. This is not the goal. Let me emphasize that again. The goal of Christianity is not so I can be more happy. That's a fruit of Christianity. That's a byproduct of us involving ourselves in this. The goal of Christianity is that you're blessed so that you can... You can be a blessing that God is doing such a wonderful thing in your life that he's able to use you, that you're able to be a blessing to other people and make this your goal. Because whenever you are able to be a blessing to somebody, that's when your, your peace and joy levels just skyrocket. That's when great fulfillment comes into your life. Not just a selfish quest to be happy and fruitful and all, all of that. Um, that is byproduct. And you can count on that happening and increasing in your life all as we head toward this goal that I want to be a blessing, which fulfills the greater goal, which is 
to glorify God. Good job. Y'all did a, y'all did a good job. I want to move on today and, and actually talk about two disciplines. We could spend a lot of time on each of these disciplines, but we're just going to hit them real quick and they come in combo form. Um, remember that we have two different types of disciplines. You have some disciplines of engagement, things you do, and you have, uh, disciplines of abstinence, things you don't do. Why do you do them? Why do you not do them? Because you are in training. So again, y'all here. So again, if you're in training for some, uh, athletic event, there are some things you're going to be doing because you're training. And there's some other things that you're not going to do because you're in training. Okay. And so it all goes together. Um, we've looked at some other combinations and what happens when you have the balance of these, it produces maturity and it, and it produces, um, stability in you as well to have both. Remember we had solitude and fellowship, you know, those were two that balance. Let's look at two today. The first one is work. And the second one is rest. Which one do you like best? Let's talk about these for a moment. There's a rhythm of life that God established. And this is the pattern. You work first. And then you rest. There are a lot of people resting up. Someday I'm going to work. No, God worked and then he rested. He set that pattern. That's, that's not haphazard. He set that. You work. Then you rest. And guess what? When you work, you rest better. Now, I'm not just talking about taking a nap. We're going to be talking about Sabbath and the principles of Sabbath here in just a few moments. Let's look from scripture in Exodus chapter 20, um, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor or work and do all your work. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it, you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. So regarding the Sabbath, two things about it. We're to remember it, which means we're to mark it. And we're also to make it holy. And we'll explore this a little bit further. But holy means set apart to distinguish from other things. So there is a day of our week that is actually to be distinguished from the other days of our week. You still tracking? All right. Now this, this is the fourth commandment that we just read and the commandments have for us. The first four deal with God and how we relate to him. The remaining six deal with how we relate to other people. And the first four actually are the root commandments. And the last six are the fruit commandments. I'm convinced that if we would keep the first four, the root, the fruit would be no problem. You don't have to worry about stealing, killing, and all those kind of things. If you've got the first four handled. And this is one of the root issues is that we would honor, we would remember and and keep holy the Sabbath. Why? Because God said to, and God also set this out for us. Now, let's talk about work just for a moment. And I'm not just talking about employment here. 
Um, however, we will address this. But it's to labor. It's to be productive. Let me talk to those of you that might be retired here this morning. And you'd say, I retired so I don't have to work. Listen, your whole life you should work in this way. Listen, in that you should be productive. You should have, and I'm not saying you've got to work the hours that you did when you were working a job before you retired. But you should be productive your whole life. There are numerous studies of people that were busy their whole life, productive their whole life, then they retired, and then they just became sedentary. And you know what? It affects you physically. It affects you emotionally. It affects you in a lot of ways. You must, you must keep moving. Everybody say, keep moving. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep thinking. You've got to be involved in something in some way so that you remain productive so that you'll feel fulfilled. And I applaud and I look, you know, uh, I'm happy for you that you are able to retire. I think you earned that. But don't just unplug and park it somewhere at that. Remain productive in, in some way. So here's a couple of things about work for all of us. First of all, you should work. I'll, I'll just pull out of a passage here in Second Thessalonians. Everybody should work. Everybody should be willing to work. Paul actually said this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Pilgrims brought in, bought into this as well. That if you are unwilling to work... You don't get to eat. <clears throat> How many of you know if we were out, you know, we were pioneers and you wouldn't go cut wood, you wouldn't go chase down critters, you wouldn't go find berries, you wouldn't go gather water or wood. How many of you know the rest of us are saying you ain't going to eat? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but Paul said, if you're unwilling, get that word, unwilling to work, then you don't get to eat. In the United States of America, I think we erased that. But guess what happens? If you're unwilling to work and then you don't get to eat, let's say that you were unwilling to work and then you didn't get to eat, guess what will happen in you? You'll suddenly become willing <coughs> to work. Well, that's just too hard. Forget too hard, it's the scripture. And it works in, in human beings. Amen. So that went over really good. Um, Not only you should work, but here's how you should work. We read in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. In Colossians 3.23, it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. How many of you know you would do a better job on some things at your job or or anything you're working on if you were actually doing it for the Lord Jesus? I mean, even if you're sweeping a floor, I am sweeping this floor for Jesus. How many of you know you'll do a little better job of that? Now, do not go and inform your employer. I don't do any of this for you. I do it all for Jesus. And they will say back to you, and Jesus can pay you this week too. Okay, Um, but let your heart, let your attitude be whatever I'm doing. I'm going to do it heartily. I'm going to do it willingly. I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. And that's the way we should work. Jesus said in John 13, he said, by this, everybody say by this. He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. 
And that's true and complete all in itself. But I want to lift the principle out of that and put a different caboose on it. Okay. How many of you know that there are some things that we would engage in that other people will know then that's a Christian. He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, pupils, followers. Okay. So there are some things that should be noticeable in a life of a Christian. Whether or not he even opens his mouth to say anything to anybody, whether or not he has a Jesus bumper sticker on his car or a Jesus shirt or anything else, there should be some noticeable traits about Christians that people will know you're a Christian. And honestly, with the bulk of scripture to support this as well, I think it should be be this by this. All men will know that you are my disciples, pupils, followers, and that you work hard and you show up on time and you're happy and you're teachable and you're honest. I think it should just be knows. I think employers should say, I tell you, I need somebody for this role and I'm looking for a Christian. It's almost like a breed, a certain breed. I'll tell you what we need. We need one of those Christians because they work hard and they're honest and they're happy and they're cooperative and they show up on time. We need one of those. Christians should be the kind of people that even people that aren't Christians say, I hope my son or daughter marries a Christian. I think employers, whether or not they're even a believer, say, I tell you what I need. I need a Christian. I need a a follower of Jesus. Why? Because by this, people should know. Listen, this is spiritual discipline. We should not be slackers. We shouldn't be dishonest. We shouldn't be late. We shouldn't be lazy. We shouldn't be strifey. We shouldn't be resistant. Boy, this one's going on well, too. I'm just telling you by this, all men will know that you're a follower of Jesus because there's a life of God in you. There's a standard of God in you. And whatever you put your hand to do, you're doing it as unto Jesus himself. And our reward comes from the Lord above. Amen. Amen. Now, the Lord put in my heart on Friday afternoon, I was praying and going over some of these things that when we talk about work immediately, a lot of our minds just go to our job. And I want to be, I want you to know that we're aware of this too. That means some of you don't have jobs. Some of you are unemployed. Some of you are underemployed. And, and I felt really impressed to the Lord that we were going to stop right in the middle of the service. We're going to do it right now. And I want to pray for you. And I, I, I know that Jesus knows how to find his kids. He knows he, he flew in ravens with bread and meat before he caused water to come out of rocks not every rock, the rock where they were. And I'm just tired of people being negative and caught up in fear and, and the media, just all kinds of things and numbers. And we're just live and die by these numbers. How about God do something that we can't even explain and open doors. Why not believe God that new business, a new industry would come into Marion County. Amen. And there, there's not fear here. Amen. Hey, and. Ain't nobody running for office here. Jesus is in forever. Okay. And we just need to believe that God is able to take care no matter what's going on in the world. All right. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we declare that you are our source and our sufficiency. 
And I just join my heart with these, my brothers and sisters, the family of Meadowbrook. And there are people in our family, in this church family, that are unemployed or underemployed. And I'm asking you, God, that as they seek you, that you would speak to them, that you would order their steps, that you make that uh, make them help them be willing to work. Order their steps, give them favor, open doors. And we ask you, God, to bless the economy of this area, to cause a a, a desire for business and industry to come into this area. And that spirit of fear that would just try to hover and cause people to hold back. God, that we would know that God is our source, that Jesus, our heavenly father, knows how to find his kids and he knows how to take care of his kids. And so I just speak peace to each one right now. I pray, Lord, you give them a plan and light up their path and open doors that there would be provision and there'd be healthy work for our people. And I, I'm just asking you for this again here in public. And I just thank you for it in Jesus name. Everybody agreed with that. Say amen and amen. Amen. And you keep thanking him for that. And we can talk more about that. Let me move on to the second part here, which is rest. And rest is also called Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. Now we get this. uh, I'm going to read to you from Genesis chapter two. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy Because it was the day when he rested from all of his creation. Then you follow that up. Then in the Ten Commandments and in other places, it's established concerning having Sabbath. Now, the Pharisees in the New Testament, I think that in the in the basement of who they were, they actually did want to do what God wanted them to do. But then what they did was let's find out ways to do that and just started making lists. Of all these things. And so to make sure that everybody kept the Sabbath, they made up their own list. You can only take this many steps. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. And and that doesn't make it holy anymore. That doesn't make it a blessing anymore. That makes it religious. That makes it ritual. That makes it law. And it takes the life out of it. Jesus said that man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. There's debate on when is the Sabbath. New Testament, I think we live by the principle of Sabbath. We have in the United States a weekend. Historically, where the weekend came Saturday and Sunday, because there was some debate on where is Sabbath. Now our culture and government doesn't even pay attention to that. It's a day to boat. It's a day to sleep. It's a day to whatever. But initially there was some sense of trying to honor what the Sabbath would be because the the Jews and certain other uh, Christian denominations even held that it was Saturday. Many held that it was Sunday. And uh, since the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, it's the Lord's day. Thousands of Jews abandoned thousands of years of tradition and heritage once there was a risen Jesus and moved their day of Sabbath from a Saturday to a Sunday. But I don't want anybody to argue about it. I don't want you to go fussing with somebody and, well, you know, my pastor said, and this and, and don't do that. Just make sure you have one. Now, I do believe that by and large, it should be the Lord's day, Sunday. This should be a Sabbath to you. But guess what? It's not a Sabbath for me. Well, it's not. And Saturday's not either. Tomorrow is glory to Jesus forever. 
All right. But you've got to have a day that's set apart. Uh, some people work shift work and they've got, you know, different shifts that they take. I know in law enforcement and, and in uh, medical industry and so forth, you know, there's, they're saying, well, it's on Sunday. I can't work on Sunday. Don't get so rigid. Okay. Just make sure that you get one. We have companies that honor the Sabbath and I'm not advertising for anybody, but I pray that you'll honor those companies. God is such as Chick-fil-A. Hobby Lobby. There's others, you know, don't wonder why they're blessed. Don't even wonder why they're blessed. They're very clear about why they're closed on Sunday. And it's not, well, we can't get anybody to work. No, it's because of principles of Sabbath that they've lined that out. And I believe that as you, as you honor, remember and make holy, distinguish, set apart a Sabbath for your life, it's going to affect the six days that remain. It has impact on that. Y'all here? Now, in the rabbinic, uh, I, I have some reference uh, resources. And there's some commentaries and writings by rabbis. How many of you know that they probably know a little bit more about the Hebrew and Jewish cultures and customs? And here, I, I want to read you a couple of things from this in regards to the Sabbath. It's an attitude. It's a frame of mind. One should feel that all his work is finished. Even though his desk or workbench is still piled high. Accomplish all your work in six days, though this would seem impossible. But no matter what is still left undone, one should feel as much at at ease as if everything was finished. And that sounds foreign to us. And, And let me give you this thought. Some can't rest right because they didn't work right. A lot of our life today deals with deadlines and you have to be aware of those deadlines or they'll hurt you. I know with ministry, I know with life, I know with school, there's deadlines and you have to work with the deadlines in mind. And if you work right, you'll be able to rest right. Now it says, do all your work. How many of you know that ain't going to happen? We're not going to get everything done. And then guess what? Once you get everything done, it's time to do it again. Right? I thought I just fed the dog. I thought I just dusted the house. I thought I just did laundry. You know, whatever it was. I thought I just mowed the lawn. And so, but the thing is regarding deadlines, make sure that you work right so that you can rest right. But the attitude of Sabbath is this, that even though your desk or your workbench is piled high, you have to set apart a time and get this frame of mind that you are at ease as if it was all done. Now that's going to take some work for a lot of us to get there, but it's an important thing. Listen, there will always be more work to be done. But the Sabbath must be observed. We read in Exodus 16, and I'm not going to read it right now, but here again, we see God establishing this pattern. He said, the children of Israel were out in the wilderness, and he said, I'm going to rain down manna upon you to feed you. It was a bread-like thing. And they had a lot of different ways they could have prepared it. I'm sure somebody came up with a manna cookbook, you know. And he said, but I only want you to gather what you need on that day. And if you need a lot, gather a lot. If you need just a little, then just gather a little. And gather for that day, day one, day two. Don't gather what you need for the next day. Even if they had had Tupperware back then. 
It would not have worked. He said, because if you gather for the next day, he said, it's going to stink and it's going to have worms in it. What was God doing? God was saying, I want me to be your source every day. Every day, I want to be your source. Now, he said, when you get to day six, I want you to gather for two days. I want you to gather for the next day, Sabbath, because I don't want you to gather on Sabbath. And whereas all the other days you could not gather ahead because it would stink and get maggots. On day six, you could gather and it would just stay as fresh as could be. And God, again, is setting this up for us. He's reminding us. And and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but let me go ahead and say this. Somehow, go figure, God is able to hold the whole universe together and your life together if you'll take some time to rest. God is still able to hold it all together. Isn't that amazing? That you don't have to be 24-7. We've got that ingrained in us now that we're 24-7. I think you should back it up to 18-6 or something. Because we're just going, 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 and going. And it doesn't work that way. God will bless. God will help. And you need to know that your prosperity and provision does not come from your work and your intelligence alone. It comes because you have the blessing of your provider. It's because you're aware that God is my source. And I can't do Monday. I can't do Tuesday. I can't do any day without God being my source. It is not our work that supplies our needs. We are to work, but it is not our work that supplies our needs. Listen, we are to work, but it is not our work that supplies our needs. It's the blessing of our provider on our life that provides our needs. And there will always be work to be done. But God says, I want you to observe Sabbath. It must be observed at least by principle in your life. Not necessarily a set day. If you can get a set day, I believe Sunday is a beautiful Sabbath. Because part of Sabbath is to include worship. Is to include learning. Uh, the, The Jews had what was called holy convocation. They even had good food. Sabbath is to be a wonderful thing. And let's make sure that we have that. Now, pattern for living. Six days to subdue and rule. And one day to rest. It is a root issue. And it will affect the fruit issues of your life. Last Saturday morning, I was sitting out on my front porch. We live in a cul-de-sac. Let me take that back. We live in a house um, (laughs) on a cul-de-sac. And when one of Alicia and I's favorite places to be is on our front porch. And I was out there, I'd finished my notes and, and was just kind of going over them and doing some reading, just praying. And down below us, we live on a little bit of a hill. Down below us, there's, there's two houses there. And between the two, two families, there, there's five or six little boys. I think the oldest one might be about five. And they were out there in the cul-de-sac and on their driveway and in my driveway a little bit driving power wheels. How many of you know what power wheels are? And they look like little cars and Jeeps and stuff. And these little guys, I mean, they're just, yeah, and they're yelling at each other and crashing and driving all over. And they're just little guys. I mean, one of them's up in my yard. How shall I say it? Taking care of business. And then he runs. And I was just getting such a kick just watching these little guys, you know, and they're driving along full speed ahead. I mean, they're just just running all over and just having a blast. And I'm just watching them. 
After a little bit, guess what started to happen? And they were getting agitated. No! Because it's all slowing down. And you know what? It was perfect time for the mamas to come out and say, come on, let's take a little rest. And in the basis of the fact that their power wheels needed to recharge. Guess what? After lunch, there they are again. But you know what? I looked down there and I thought, that's us. That's us. And some people were driving this thing that's barely going. You're just going on down. You know what? You need to recharge and you can come back fast as ever before. But we've got to observe these principles. Now, let me give you one quote and then I'm just going to finish this this morning. Said a man's Sunday self and his weekday self are like two halves of a round trip ticket. Not good if detached. Let's make sure that we keep that together. There will always be work to do. Do your work. Do it in a way that will please Jesus. But always make sure that we set aside as a discipline Sabbath in our lives. Can I get an amen? Do you get anything at all out of this today? All right.